It's a 4-3 Blue Jays win at Minute Maid Park. We have to break down here on Jays Talk. I'm Show Ali alongside MLB.com's Julia Kreutz. We're here for Blair and Barker. You guys are back on Sunday. We're taking your calls, of course. 416-870-0590-1888-666-0590. Star 590 on your cellular device. You can text us as well at 590-590. Name and location. As Blair often says, it is your show. You can get to whatever you want from tonight's game. And Julia, I, I got to admit, uh, I don't know about you. I was trying not to look at you here uh, during the ninth inning too much. I was really sweating that ninth inning out. Eyeballs firmly planted on uh, on the screens here, right? Silently preparing for extras with my notes and uh, Siri at third base, 90 feet away. You know, I, I got to admit, I was thinking back often, in, especially in the ninth inning, uh, to late last spring, and how I feel like we all, you, me, Tom, all the listeners, <laughs> experience a lot of uh, painful losses, right? Some losses that really slipped away thanks to the bullpen. And uh, you know what? This time, with some timely hitting, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. dumping a ball into the opposite field, Matt Chapman's RBI double, Jordan Romano, you know, eh, some dicey moments there, but he came through. Uh, we have a 4-3 win to talk about. Pretty exciting. And this is the second night in a row show that I would say is pretty um not without thrill right these sure. jordan romano saves are coming uh with a bit of emotion for for the blue jays here in the past couple of nights but uh he makes it through and and that's what matters and you know contributions up and down the the lineup and timely ones at that absolutely yeah like you said jordan romano uh he ends things with the runners on first and third and he uh, gets uh swinging strikes right from a lot of these guys he he looked he looked fantastic as he usually does, continues his consecutive saves record as he expands that for the Toronto Blue Jays, right? But I, I wonder I wonder if we might see, see him used a little less going forward. I'm not advocating for that necessarily because, he, he, I mean, he's, he's fantastic. He broke the Terminator's record, right? I mean, he looks, he looks absolutely great. There's no doubt about it. But generally speaking, and this kind of ties into what we saw from Trent Thornton and Tim Meza tonight, but the bullpen has looked fantastic to start this season, right? I mean, here we are, April 22nd. And I guess you could pretty much say, I guess, I think I would stand by this. Outside of the Julian Merriweather home run uh, against Christian Christian Pache, which was a monster home run, right? But outside of that one homer against Oakland, the bullpen has looked great, right? The bullpen has looked fantastic. Like, I know, I know Romano is the closer, and that's not going to change, but... If in close game situations where Romano is unavailable and Meza was the guy coming in or, I don't know, Phelps is the guy coming in or Garcia is the guy coming in, would you really feel uncomfortable at this point? I don't think I would. I think I would feel relatively confident with any of those guys. I mean, you still, you want to see Jordan Romano. That's the guy you want to see yeah. on the mound. Markham's own Jordan Romano. But if any of those other guys came in, I don't think too many people would bat an eyelash, really. And that's the big difference, I think, show this year with this bullpen. I think you said it all when you said the word confidence. That's what the bullpen is inspiring so far this season. Trent Thornton looked absolutely in control for these, his couple of innings tonight. Same for Tim Meza. And even Jordan Romano, who, you know, got in a little bit of trouble there, but he maintained his composure throughout to get the outs when he needed to get those strikeouts, those big swings and misses. So confidence for me is the imperative word when talking about the Blue Jays bullpen this year. 
So I'm looking at Trent Thornton, right? And and I do want to get to Santiago Espinal. I want to get to uh, to Zimmer as well. Um, boy, on the uh, the the Michael Brantley just eating it on the on the Zimmer home run is I think one of the funniest things I've seen all year. That I mean, look, was pretty funny. I, I, considering I would have loved to seen Brantley become a Blue Jay basically last season. Yes. Uh, considering that he did not sign with the Blue Jays and sign with Houston only for us to get that moment today, I guess I kind of makes it worth oh, yeah. it. All worth it. Hundred percent. Right? Oh boy, but yeah, we'll get to we'll get to those two guys. They had fantastic games. Uh, Zimmer also making some great plays in the outfield. But Thornton being the guy out of the pen after Ross Stripling, he looked great against, especially against the top of the order. Right, he threw twenty five pitches, seventeen strikes over two innings of work, two strikeouts, one walk, no hits. Trent Thornton, and I said this the last time we got some some work out of Thornton as well. Thornton, I think, has earned slowly, very slowly, right? And Ben called it the sweeping slider on the broadcast today, right? With that pitch, he is working in more and more and more, and he got some strikeouts uh, with that very pitch. I I wonder if he might not be worked into a more high-leverage role going forward. I mean, I know Stripling basically came back out of that rough third. He had a very efficient fourth inning, and then he was done, right? And then he can't, you know, we got to see Trent Thornton after that. I just I can't help but think that again, and and that this is a luxury to have with this kind of bullpen, right? I just talked about uh, Phelps and Garcia and Simber and Richards and all these other guys, but you look at you look at what Trent Thornton is able to provide, and it's funny to think that just I guess was it last year or the year before he was starting ball games and he you know wasn't looking great. Again, if he's being, I I don't know if you want to ask too much of him, but at the same time, he has looked pretty good in limited action to start the year. That slider looked absolutely amazing yeah. tonight Nasty. a lot lots of swings and misses there and uh, really there's there's a lot to be said about that slider combined with his four seam fastball combined with his curveball I agree with you he's making his case for a more high leverage position he did great tonight we gotta get to Ross Stripling as well because certainly we wouldn't have seen Thornton uh, we probably would have seen him a little later on. I think we, when we talked about this in the pregame, you know, probably four innings was probably going to be the limit for stripling anyways, maybe five. If he was really efficient with his, with his delivery and with his outing, he got into some trouble, obviously right in the third inning. He looked pretty good the first time through the order in the first and second innings. He looked fantastic. I would say, right. I, and then he ran into trouble in the third and it all kind of started with that. It was a pretty bad one, two fastball to Martin Maldonado and I mean, Maldonado is an older guy, but he still made Stripling pay for that when he knocked it into the outfield, got that whole mess started. And like I said, Stripling looked much better in a, in a very efficient fourth inning of work. But I just, I guess this is kind of what Stripling is, right? I mean, he got into trouble. He got out of it. And it's funny that I guess you could kind of say the shift, kind, the shift kind of giveth and taketh away at the same time, right? I saw some people making those references on uh, on social media during the game, right? Like the Yuli Gurriel, I guess it was a two-run single. That was against the shift. It was like a, I think Ben called it a weak dribbler. It kind of just bounced very slowly, like you're watching a car crash or something, just right, right into right field. But the shift also allowed Santiago Espinal to make that great play on the Jordan Alvarez ball, right? That dive. So you can't, I guess you can't always have it both ways. I know the shift is probably going to go away relatively soon looking to next year so maybe we won't be having those conversations as soon as next season but i mean you know it's, it's just funny it was kind of funny to see people complain about how the shift screwed stripling essentially when it kind of helped them a little bit as well yeah i feel like the game self-corrects in a lot of ways and uh, the blue jays have been very aggressive with the shift this year it's been well documented they have been shifting a lot and uh, positionally aggressive too when it comes to the shift and 
yeah, sometimes they'll they'll pay for it. Sometimes uh, hitters are gonna are gonna find that hole, and and that's just the way that that things go. And if you look at this game tonight, like I said, it sort of canceled itself out. The shift sort of did, you know. So yeah, I I'm not a huge proponent of of uh, ending the shift, but um, that's a discussion for another time. I would say. Taking your calls here on JSTOCK, 416-870-0590, 590 star 590 on your cell. You can always text us as well at 590-590, and please leave your name and location. Okay, you know what, just because you brought it up, Julia, the, the, the shift stuff, okay? What, All right, a discussion for right now, then. Yeah, Let's yeah, do it. Right now, why not, right? I, I'm just curious, what, why, why or would you be against getting rid of the shift? I think it's a, baseball is a game of adjustments and a game of strategy. And uh, it comes to the hitters to 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 find ways to still beat those uh, defensive adjustments, but you know that's a that's an opinion among many out there. <laughs> it's funny, right? Because I see a lot of people say, "Get rid, ban the shift, get rid of the shift," and I get, I'm kind of I'm kind of lukewarm on the shift. I gotta say, I think I, I guess it does kind of go back to. What a lot of fe- a lot of people, and I, I don't know if this is right or wrong necessarily, but what a lot of people feel like is, and I'm going to use air quotes here, ruining the game of baseball, right? Like, it, and it kind of you can kind of extend that conversation to starters not being allowed to go as deep into ball games, and you know, guys getting pulled when the analytics say so, and, and so, you know what I mean? Like that's that's kind of like the part the part of this conversation, and the shift obviously is a part of that as well. But it, it you know it just goes back to. I don't know, Clayton Kershaw getting pulled from a perfect game and just a couple weeks ago and, and you see all sorts of things or or uh, just the other day, um, Aaron Boone walking Miguel Cabrera with uh, what it was in what ended up being his final plate appearance of the day. And then like the very next at bat, Austin Meadows dumped like a blue pit just behind the second base bag and Detroit beat the New York. I think the final score was three, nothing or something like that. But it, 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 I feel like a lot of people and the shift is a part of that. A lot of people say those decisions being made by people like Aaron Boone or people who employ the shift in a lot of ways are, it, it's not, it's, it's not like the purity of baseball is being ruined right. by any means, but it, it just, I think a lot of old school fans want to see it get back to that. And I guess the uh, the other half of that argument is, well, if, if it's if is this is it good for the sport of baseball? And that's where I kind of go back and forth because I'm not really sure what is what is you know again I'm using air quotes here <laughs> what is good for baseball or not. And listen, the the fan experience is as important as anything else. I'm with you on that. I just feel like, especially when you take a game like today, obviously it's a small sample size, but the shift giveth and the shift taketh away, and it evens itself out. And it's it it has to be up to the hitter at some point too to make adjustments and 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 to to beat the defense. I think it only makes the game more interesting. But again, that's just me. That's fair. All right, that's totally fair. I think I mean I, it certainly seems like we're trending towards the shift being banned. It feels like yes, it does. Right, and uh, and again, we'll probably get some more some more concrete stuff on that as soon as next season. I mean, this it's here to stay for twenty twenty two, obviously, but. But yeah, I just I find that I just saw that conversation when Guriel made the two run single, and I think that's what made it three nothing. And you kind of thought, boy, is there going to be a pitching change here? Is Rostropin going to be yanked here uh, in the third inning? And you kind of thought he was going to go a lot longer. And again, he came back out, he redeemed himself, and he he did not end up factoring into the decision because the Jays tied the game. But uh, again, yeah, Santiago Espinal getting to that Jordan Alvarez ball, Espinal as well. I mean, 
We might as well get to him. That was a fantastic play he made to to rob Alvarez. I mean, he shift or not, he still had to dive for that ball, and he made a fantastic play. A couple uh, sliding grabs on his knees to get the ball as well, and of course, a home run off of Justin Verlander. Doesn't it kind of feel like I don't know in when 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 Espinal works for Sportsnet in in like uh, twenty years and he's sitting here with us and we're and we're asking him about hey do you remember that that home run you hit off of Hall of Famer Justin Verlander uh, I can't, he hasn't hit too many home runs in his career so you got to imagine that feels pretty good whether regardless or not if it was into the Crawford boxes or wherever it ended up at in Minute Maid Park it, that that has to be a good moment for a for a guy who came into this off season. With, uh, you know, they say 15 pounds of added muscle. And I always find those stories really entertaining because it's kind of like, you know, you whenever the season starts, the stories from the media, and I'm certainly a part of that, you always hear stories like, these guys are in the best shape of their lives. They're ready to compete. They're ready to take a roster spot, right? And Espinal is definitely one of those guys who you, you're very excited to hear more about, especially after his hot end to last season. But boy, Julia, I mean, he has looked fantastic this year. Again, I, I'm a big fan of Kevin Biggio. I am, and I want to see what he has. But I just find with every passing day, we see Espinal make some kind of dazzling play on the infield or contributing with the bat as well. Ball coming off the bat with a higher exit velocity and all these things. I just feel like the conversation is harder to say that Biggio should be in a platoon situation. I just, I, I almost feel like it should be, it, it should be Espinal as the everyday second baseman, I, or at least we're, we're getting closer to that point of the season. Right. And if, if Espinal has played himself into that, then he deserves it. Right. I agree. 100%. I think that Espinal has proven himself time and time again, and no one necessarily would expect that from him say a year ago, but he certainly went from utility man to everyday player to potential star. Like this is, this was star caliber play tonight. And and when you talk about a platoon with Biggio, it becomes harder to justify that. Obviously there's value in Biggio defensively and as a left-handed bat, no doubt. But when you're talking about your everyday second baseman and, and what you want out of him, Right now, for me, that's Santiago Espinal. He is so clutch. He gets on base, and uh, he just hit a home run off of Justin Verlander. <laughs> that's pretty hard to ignore. Justin Verlander came into this game in his first 13 innings. He allowed one run, six hits, three walks. He struck out 15, and that lone run had come on a solo home run. And tonight, giving up two home runs, I think there's like an argument to be made, eh, maybe three home runs if you think that Matt Chapman hit at the very beginning of the ball game was a home run. It looked like like the replay, because we're here in Toronto, obviously, and everyone's kind of like micro CSI analyzing the replay, different angles. If the first angle kind of made it look like a home run, the second angle, eh, not so much, right? I think what happened is because there, there's some like ad lettering that goes down the foul pole, and it almost looked like the ball went through one of the letters of the ad lettering. I don't remember what it said, but it was like the the giant blocky like cartoon letters. It looked like the ball went through the space between the letter and like that fence looking thing that's actually on, like the webbing on the actual foul pole. So hey, there's an argument to be made that was a home run. Uh, maybe it wasn't. Obviously, Charlie Montoya wanted a hair, and they they ended up ruling it was not. The umpires were uh, not the most tech savvy, I guess. They uh, <laughs> in turning their mics on and off. I will say I do like that addition to uh, Major League Baseball this year, kind of like NFL style. Yeah. They turn their mics on to announce that uh, reviews are happening and so on. But uh, but either way, I mean, going back to Espinal hitting a home run off of 
off of Verlander. He has looked absolutely fantastic this year. And I just, again, I just, it just begs the question though, if Espinal is the everyday second baseman, let's just say for the sake of this argument, sure. we, we, we are in Ross Atkins and Charlie Montoyo spots. We have given Espinal the, the everyday spot now. What do you do with Kevin Biggio? Like, I mean, is he just going to be a bench player forever? Do, do, does he become one of the people who fills it in the outfield? And we've heard him talk at length about how, you know, his, his most natural, comfortable position is at second base. Uh, does he get a stint in Buffalo? I just, I'm not sure what you do with Biggio. And again, I'm just not, I guess I'm not ready to give up on him, but that's obviously uh, at odds with saying that Espinal should be the everyday second baseman. Absolutely. And with the Blue Jays, you know, this te- this is a team that really values versatility. And when you're talking about a guy like Kevin Biggio, that is what he brings to the table. The fact that he is capable of playing multiple positions, the, the, the fact that he's you know most comfortable in second base, but he will play first, he will play the outfield, that gives the Blue Jays a lot of flexibility to do different things and try different things with him, even though right now he doesn't look like the, like the everyday second baseman. What do you do with him? That's a great question. I'm, I'm glad I'm not in Charlie Montoya's and Ross Atkins's position right now because it is a tough, uh, a tough question to answer. But they do have flexibility with a guy like Kevin Biggio. Hey, and you know what? You still need guys like that. Like championship teams can't just get rid of their excess players who are still good to to very good players, right? Like teams that have larger aspirations need those kinds of players even if they're not everyday kinds of players, right? I mean, we just saw the Astros. The Astros had a lot of those guys when they were going to however many straight ALCSs in a row, and the Yankees had those many guys, and the Red Sox, and, and all the all the teams that win World Series have players that may not contribute on an everyday basis but are still very, very good, right? So the Espinal-Biggio conversation is uh, is always going to be a fascinating one, probably one we're going to have basically all season long, it feels like. But Espinal certainly taking another large stride, maybe, with that another massive hit, another massive home run, and some dazzling plays on the infield. But you're listening to Jay's Talk here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We're going to step aside. When we come back, we'll take a look at the standings, and uh, we will continue chatting maybe about Bradley Zimmer, who uh, got his first hit as a Blue Jay, a home run into the Crawford boxes. But you're listening to Jay's Talk, Show and Julia on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now Bradley Zimmer takes a curveball. Brantley slips. He falls down as Zimmer rides one into the front row, and it goes! The Blue Jays have gone back-to-back! Stop strutting around, Espy. Zim needs those threads. The first home run of the season as a Blue Jay for Bradley Zimmer. His first hit as a Toronto Blue Jay ties the game in the fifth inning. That is Ben Wagner with the call of Bradley Zimmer's first hit as a Toronto Blue Jay, a home run as you heard it. Michael Brantley eating it. My goodness. <laughs> that one. Oh, boy. Showing Julia here on Jay's Talk. We had a we had a good laugh about that, I think. Again, yeah. I'm not like making fun of Brantley. Not but at all. It was certainly respectfully. A, yes. Respectful. Right. A respectful laugh is what happened here. <laughs> how how respectful can a laugh when someone basically eats dirt on a home run really be? Show. I've answered every single question you've asked me tonight. I'm not going to answer that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's because the answer is uh, it can't be. <laughs> no, it cannot. <laughs> I think. Uh, okay, here, welcome back to Jay's Talk. Real quick, let's check in 
on the Bet365 standings update. With Bet365, you can watch thousands of live games, build your own bet, and you can even make a bet while the game's still being played. 19 plus, play responsibly, Ontario only. And uh, let's look at the AL East. Certainly uh, all of the teams in the AL East in action tonight. The Toronto Blue Jays at 9-5. and five. The Yankees uh, beating the Guardians earlier tonight 4-1 with Aaron Judge with uh, two solo home runs or t- one solo home run and one two-run jack as well. So he had uh, three of those four runs for New York. They're 8-6. and six. Uh, the Boston Red Sox are seven and seven. The Rays are seven and seven. Of course, they're playing each other. And uh, Julia, I don't know how much of that game you saw, but I, and I won't mention the Orioles. It doesn't really matter. But um, no offense, Baltimore. But uh, again, for, respectfully, re- yes, res- respectfully, mm. you don't really matter. But <laughs> but uh, the Boston Red Sox beating the Tampa Bay Rays four three. Um, I was preparing to do all these pitching changes during the game, and I was looking at this, looking at some of the stuff going on here. Jake Diekman walked three batters in the bottom of the ninth inning to load the bases. And uh, Wander Franco came to bat. And again, the game went Boston's way. They won four, three, but I just, I don't know about you. I can't help but think with the Tampa Bay Rays, every time I see them, they're like, I said this before, they're like the zombie team of the AL East, right? Like, you know, people say, Hey, who's the team that's going to win? Like if, if, if not the blue Jays, what's just the team you, right. you, you think you're going to win the AL East? I, I feel like I always go with the Rays because yeah. no matter what they do, they just, you can't, you can't kill them. I don't know what it is. That's a hundred percent correct. And with a guy like Wander Franco, you know, he's, he's so good. He's so good on both ends of the ball. It's, it's unbelievable what he's doing. I don't know if you saw the defensive play today where he covered, I think it was 85 meters or something like that. It was amazing. And so, yeah, the, it, it's hard to, to kill the Rays and they're going to be around for a while still. They just keep making good decisions in the front office, um, you know, sound analytical decisions in the front office. And uh, so they're going to be contending for, for quite some time, I think. I've always wondered why a team doesn't just, like some some much larger market team doesn't just pony up, like a, a, you know, hundred million dollars and go to the Rays and say, we want to buy everyone in your front office. Every, like the whole package, just give us literally everyone, the trainers, the, the scouts, the GM, the assistant GM, and you know, like the Reds, why don't, like, why don't the Reds do that? Or maybe they're, maybe they're a bad example because they're also a small market team, but like some other massive market team that needs like some kind of major overhaul. Right. I've always, I don't know. I've always kind of wondered why they've never done that. Given that the Rays have consistently been one of the best franchises in identifying talent. And then you see them trade a guy just because they don't want to pay him essentially. Yes. Yeah, somewhere there's probably a team owner that's like, Hey, Show that's a good idea. All right, I'll think of that. <laughs> uh boy. Anyways, but that's the that's the bet three six five standing updates. Uh, Toronto at the top of the AL East right now, nine and five after a four three win tonight over the Houston Astros. Uh, Bradley Zimmer, though we haven't spoken too much about him, and we you heard Ben's call of the home run. It was his first hit as a Blue Jay. He broke an zero for fourteen streak with that solo home run. It would have been a home run. There's this Twitter account. I don't know if you follow them. Would it dong? It's one of my favorite Twitter accounts. I don't know if you follow it. I don't. I will now, though. Absolutely. It, so it's like an automated account that takes into account like the launch angle, the exit velocity, the distance of the home run. And it calculates based like automatically based on the different sizes of the different like porches and right and left field and center field and so on, if it would be a home run, right? And then it compares all the parks to one another and it tells you how many ballparks it would be in a home run in, right? So that monstrous home run Vladdy hit a couple of games ago, that was a home run in 30 out of 30 ballparks, right? Bradley Zimmer's home run would have been a home run in just two 
of 30 major league ballparks, obviously Minute Maid Park being one of them. Right. Uh, Fenway, I think, was the other one. So I guess that's uh, I guess that's good, considering the Blue Jays just played the Red Sox. They're playing the Astros. They play the Red Sox again, and then they play the Astros again. So I guess uh, I guess that's good news for Mr. Zimmer. It, in my opinion, it just makes it all the more special. <laughs> that was incredible. I don't think anyone, including Zimmer himself, believed that that ball was uh, was leaving the park. And when it did... Santiago Espinal had to come back really fast, really fast up with that uh, with that home run jacket. So definitely more special. And, you know, he followed that up with an incredible defensive play in the outfield as well. So both Espinal and Bradley Zimmer had great nights at the plate and followed those up with uh, with some amazing defensive plays there. Yeah, Zimmer running that ball down in center field. Like, in, in, and I mean, the Minute Maid Park is so oddly shaped. So weird. Right? Like, it has like a, almost like a sharp 90-degree yeah. angle right where Zimmer caught the ball. And the cameras are positioned at such where you can't really, like, if he went any further, I don't think you'd be able to see him, right? Yeah. Like, from, from where the cameras are behind home plate. Uh, but but either way, it's a fantastic catch. What, what do you think Zimmer's ceiling is is for this ball club? Because it's something we talked about pregame, and I just I go back and forth on what his place is here. And again, it sounds odd to say after he had a home run and and performed very well uh, defensively tonight. But at the same, and, and we knew the kind of stuff he'd bring defensively. It's just the action at the plate is what I think there are some question marks for a lot of people, and people texted in pregame about what that meant and what that would mean going forward when, when everyone is fully healthy. I'm just curious what you feel like Zimmer's ceiling might be. It's like you were saying before the blue Jays, if the blue Jays want to go deep into the postseason, compete for a, for a world series, they need guys like Bradley Zimmer, like Kevin Biggio, like Rymel Tapia, who are not necessarily your everyday players, but who will come in and will contribute on a major league level and will help you win ball games. To me, that's what Bradley Zimmer offers. He is that fourth outfielder. He is the guy that will come in in a pinch and will give you a chance, will give you a hit, will give you a nice highlight reel defensive play and help the Blue Jays stay in games and, and compete for that postseason spot and beyond. Zimmer, I heard Ben say this during the broadcast, Zimmer had a hit eight home runs last year. Now he has his first one. Do you think he hits more than eight home runs this year? I would, <laughs> I would bet uh, on, the, on the over here. I okay. would say more than eight. Because as Charlie Montoyo likes to say, hitting is contagious. And if this team does one thing well, that's hitting. So he's definitely uh, in the right lineup to to maybe up those totals for sure. Okay, you know what? I'll take it. I'll take the over, eight and a half. Let's say we'll, we'll, set, we'll set the line oh, yeah. at eight and a half, and we'll say we'll take the over uh, for Mr. Bradley Zimmer. Uh, we got a couple minutes left here, Julia, on Jay's talk. Um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I mean, look, his power is something that's always going to make him feared right and that's uh we all know that that's not a hot take or anything but he is so incredibly comfortable and capable of going the opposite way and he like he just like he made dumping that ball into the opposite field today look so routine and that i think amongst many things but that that is what i think will make him a perennial mvp candidate going forward and it's the consciousness too of of understanding that pitchers are not going to pitch home run (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Home run opportunities for him necessarily every night. It's just not going to happen. And so he changes his approach. He goes with the opposite field base hit. He takes the walk. And he's that that base running for him in the ninth inning, I don't think that we can speak enough about that. That was so impressive and unexpected in many ways. He was really hustling. So it's just it's 
that it be it being that cognizant and that young of a player and just going with what the pitching is offering you that is indeed the 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 trait of a of a perennial MVP candidate yeah he he looks I mean, he looks great. He is definitely chasing, uh, you know, he's chasing a little more maybe to start the season. But I mean, I think that's just a part of the adjustment, essentially. Right. And I just, yeah, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Like, do you think it's fair to say that maybe, maybe two years ago, that version of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. probably wouldn't have been hustling the way, not not like he wouldn't want to do it, but just that maybe he wouldn't have been able to hustle as much as he has this year. Because it certainly looks like his shape last year and this year, he is a a different guy, right? He's a different ball player. And we all know that from last year, but I mean, he looks great so far. Certainly. He's definitely, um, he looks better. He's playing um, with more consciousness. And 100%, he was another player that underwent, you know, some changes in the offseason. And we're seeing that now. We saw it today on the base pass. Julia, this was fun. We're going to do it again tomorrow. Pre-game tomorrow. Jay's talk again tomorrow. Look forward to it. Looking forward to it as well. Thank you so much for having me. That's Julia Croy. It's always fun getting to do these shows with her. Like I said, she and I will be back for Jay's talk tomorrow. Blair and Barker back on Sunday. Thanks for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, served up by the always game-ready Jack Lynx Meat Snacks. Feed your wild side, baseball fans. We'll talk to you tomorrow.